Welcome to Technado. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to a special holiday edition of Technado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined today by Don Bazette. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. You know, exciting, happy Christmas episode. Yeah. I, I, you know, it doesn't come out on Christmas, but it's close enough, so we can call this the Christmas And Hanukkah episode. started yesterday. Uh, and Hanukkah, we've got a number of different holiday season festivities, so it's, uh, it's nice to see that, but technology never stops, so we've got a lot to talk about today, uh, but just feeling the Christmas cheer. Yeah, definitely. It is in the air. And we also have another special guest with us today. And uh, no, I'm not talking about uh, the squirrel in the tree uh, that is there, but our good friend Anthony Sequera is back. Anthony, yes. how are you? Ba- I'm doing great. Thrilled to be on Technado right out of the gate. I started uh, December 6th and today is sometime in December and I'm already on Technado. So it's a win. Yeah. And you were on the first episode when we moved to kind of a or to, to a new studio, I think it was. New studio. Yeah. And you guys introduced rapid fire questions. Yes. For oh, me. you were the first one. It was one very to get stressful. That. Yeah. Yeah. Very stressful. You should bring that back. No, yeah. not, not with me. <laughs> and Anthony, number one. I admitted to things there that I've never admitted to publicly before. <laughs> yeah, that was weird because you had just started then as well, and it seemed like uh, you weren't going to be here long if HR got involved <laughs> after that episode. My one Technado was filthy, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'll clean it up for this one. No, we're told we can only have Anthony on uh, once every two years, um, so <laughs> yeah. here we go again. So, as Don said, uh, still a lot going on in the tech world, and uh, it definitely starts with uh, our first article from Tom'sHardware.com. Dell's Concept Luna is a snap-together laptop with no screws and few wires, and unfortunately, they they seem to have missed the the holiday season uh, this year, so they're they're ramping up for this to be in your Easter basket. But (laughs) this is not the first Luna, right? But this, the last one had a handful of screws, and this... They've completely done away with the screws. Yeah, we we reported on this uh, probably six or seven months ago. I guess we could have made this a deja news yeah. um, that Dell was taking a page from Frameworks Playbook. Uh, Framework they've made a modular laptop that's very easy to repair. You can order any part inside of the whole system, uh, and it just takes one tool to be able to work with the system, and it actually comes with that tool. So. Framework has a neat model there, and they've been pretty successful. Well, Dell has absolutely no problems borrowing that idea. Uh, This is a concept laptop, Concept Luna. So we're not positive that it's going to be released at all, but they're saying it could be on shelves as soon as summer 2023. But they're going a step further and trying to make it a completely toolless system that has very few wires. And if you've ever done laptop repair, one of the hardest things to deal with is there's usually a, a ribbon cable that attaches the keyboard that's a pain in the butt to disconnect. And then there's normally another small cable that goes through the hinges up to the monitor, mm-hmm. to the display of the laptop. And that's usually a really tricky one to work with as well. So with this one having more like snap together components, less cables to worry about routing and stuff, just becomes super easy to take apart, put together, replace and repair. We'll have to see how well it, it does if they get it to market. Yeah. And are they thinking that we would repair it? Because the article really talked about their own robots being able to repair these things. But what about us? I, I mean, think you I get th- the robot when you buy it. <laughs> Is that not? Did I read that wrong? Yeah. You don't you don't want a Dell robot in your yeah. house? Yeah. 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 No. Uh, Hi, I'm Dinky, the robot <laughs> here to fix your laptop. Yeah. How's the laptop? It's fine, Dinky. <laughs> We're good. I just got it. 
Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, well, that's great for the right to repair people because that means I can get in and mess with my own laptop. But at the same time, I got to imagine all these parts are proprietary then. And so, you know, you're like you said, if most connections have the ribbon cable and this one doesn't, I've got to repair it with Dell parts. Right. And, you know, there, there are two different ways of looking at this. So some people look at it and it's all about repairability. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this is easy to repair. You can take it apart. You can swap things out. It's not like if you want to replace the battery in your iPhone, freaking nightmare. Yeah. Right. right? Buy like, a new iPhone. But, yeah. <laughs> but by design. Yeah. This one you can take apart and get it. So repairability, at least you can order the parts and you could do the repair yourself. The other way to look at it, though, is upgradability. And with Framework, they've specifically said, we want you to be able to upgrade your laptop. If we put out a new motherboard, you can just swap the motherboard, and now you got a new processor and you're, you're upgraded. Dell is not making that claim, not one single bit. So it is entirely focused on repairability. The robots, I think, are just kind of... I almost wonder why Dell even announced that. Like, this laptop will actually enable us to fire half our workforce. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe that in the article, right? Yeah. It's like, wow, this is job replacement. We hear it all the time with people saying, oh, with software-defined networking, I'm going to be out of a networking job. Well, that's not true. But if you're a laptop repair person with Dell, you would be uptight about this. Well, but now you're a robot repair person. Oh, uh, that's true. Dell. That's a good point. Yeah, each robot has a dedicated person <laughs> to repair because it's not made by, by Dell. Yeah, I, I don't see it working out that way. If there's, let's say... I don't know, in the diagram where they have it all taken apart, there's what, like 15 pieces? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 15 different things that could go wrong. So yep. the, the robot would have to be programmed to detect what the issue is Yep. and then do one of 15 different repairs. That's yep. a little bit general for a robot. Yep, totally. Um, and and also, I mean, my gosh, our laptops break so much, we automated fixing <laughs> them. I mean, this is a marketing bit of a nightmare, is do, it not? Do you have a conveyor belt of just broken laptops? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. That is sad, but it's something cool to watch, and and it will be neat if if they uh, if they do not only release it but then keep that same uh, form factor in the future because you know then like you said it would be more like frameworks where you can't upgrade it. Uh, my guess is they'll just change the case each time too, so you have to get a new one uh, to go along <laughs> with it. But, but we shall see. It's like uh, like professors with new textbooks at the university. It's like, yeah. oh, I this is version four. Yeah, yeah. Version four. There's a new appendix. Yeah, and that will be on the test. All right, our next article is from WindowsCentral.com. GitHub's sunsetting of Atom arrives while Community Fork aims to keep it alive. Uh, that's the nice thing about open source. If you like something, you can you can keep it going. That's going to be a lot of work for those people. You know, as my as my career has evolved over the years, I find that I use text editors more and more and more. And it, it kind of started with like Vim and Linux, command line text editors. But uh, I don't know, probably about eight or nine years ago, I started using Sublime Text, which is a phenomenal text editor, but it costs like $80, which is pretty crazy mm -hmm. for a text editor. Uh, but I use the hell out of it. And some of the functionality like colorization of code and syntax checking and all that stuff is, is really, really handy. Well, several years ago, GitHub released their own editor called Atom. And Atom was, you've heard us talk about Electron on the, the show a couple of times. You can take a web application and run it as a local app inside of the Electron environment. Well, Atom is what started that. It's the, the origin of Electron, a text editor that was a web app that ran in this localized kind of runtime engine. And so a lot of people criticized it in the beginning because it was slow, which is a fact. It, it's still slow today if you run it. But it was very powerful and people, people loved it. It was great. And 
other companies have really emulated what they did. Now, Adam kind of ripped off Sublime Text with a lot of their features, but now we have other things like VS Code and, and plenty of other text editors, Notepad++, that, that do a ton of the same things. And Adam just wasn't able to, to stick it in there. And so they, they are sunsetting it. They've archived the GitHub repository for it. So development has stopped. And it's kind of the end of an era. I, you know, I, I wouldn't think normally that seeing a text editor go would be some kind of emotional moment for me or whatever. But it was an important piece of software. I'm bummed. I'm bummed. It, it was what I used to do our show notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I say I'm bummed, but I'm just going to download Visual Code Editor or whatever the Microsoft... Well, is that... I was going to say, is that why? Because Microsoft owns this now, so they're like, you should be using Visual Studio or Visual... Absolutely. Yeah. Their yeah. own product, yeah. Yeah, more than likely. And, and honestly, I, I don't use VS Code because... Mostly because I paid for a Sublime license yeah, 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 and I yeah. use it. Uh, but uh, but VS Code is, is very capable. It's got some really cool features. Well, what's hilarious about me using VS Code for our show notes is I'm taking advantage of about 2% of what that product can do. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're a Cisco guy uh, in, in Linux, right? Yeah. So in, in VS Code, you can actually open up terminals in window panes inside of the text editor. Exactly. So it's, it, it's neat stuff. You can write code and have it execute on the server all within that environment. So it's it's really skirting the line between being a text editor and an IDE. You know, yeah. It's like a, a full development environment. Great point. What do you mean when you say it's slow? Because when I think of a of a you know code editor, I think, you know, oh what, when I type in the letter S, it, it takes a second before it shows up on the screen? So <laughs> Sublime, this is going to turn into a Sublime text commercial. Yeah. If I get a log file, and, and this is my normal use case scenario, so I get some kind of like a, a Microsoft 365 access log file. And it is 300 megabytes in size. It's just a text file, but it's 300 megs in size. Well, when you open that in Atom, it takes a while before it even wow. renders the first screen. And if you try and scroll through, it takes time because it, it's only 300 megs. You should just load it and RAM and go. But because it filters it through Electron and the other stuff, it's just slow to do it. Versus Sublime Text, I can open up a, a three gigabyte text file. And it opens instantly, and I can scroll right through it. The full thing renders like it just handles large sets of data better. Now, if you don't deal with large sets of data, then that doesn't matter. But uh, just it's Adam is not very performant. It never was, and it well now it never will be. <laughs> All right, today's Technado brought to you by Sublime and Monster, <laughs> and the squirrel would like me to add brought to you by nuts. Nuts. All right. no, no, no specific kind of nope, nuts. Just, no, nuts just D's nuts. Whichever, whichever nuts. Uh, uh, this is why, Anthony, See, two years. Now well, I, no, uh, was that? I <laughs> tried to do the two CDs joke a couple of episodes ago, mm -hmm. right? And it didn't work. That I should have waited. I should have held on to that. Andy, Anthony would have had my back. I think it was too obvious. We weren't going <laughs> to bite on that. All right. Uh, let's move over now to some government news. Uh, this one is from uh, NIST.gov. So right from the horse's mouth here, NIST retires SHA-1 cryptographic algorithm. The venerable cryptographic, that's a hard word to say, <laughs> cryptographic hash function has vulnerabilities that make it uh, make its further use inadvisable, which means they'll probably still be using it for quite some time. Uh, at a lot of our favorite favorite government institutions. Yeah, 2030 is the cutoff. 2030 is it really? Oh, it's weak. It's terrible. You have till 2030. Yeah, <laughs> get it out this decade, guys. Come on. Uh, yeah, this is used by our favorite government organization, the uh, the Executive Federal. I can't remember what that <laughs> group was. <laughs> 
<laughs> the civilian that's executive was. committee. I yeah, think is what I'll, that was. I'll yeah. find that while you explain what the but, hell this is. Anthony, you weren't on the show for this one, but there's this borderline made up government agency that we we space. It was like this is hacked, and we're like, is this real? <laughs> like this, this can't be it. The federal civilian executive branch. Wow. So, uh, so I have a bit of history with Shaw One, and uh, because we'll get in our time machine here. So back in 2008, so in 2008, I worked for a bank in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I I was the network manager, so I, I controlled all the firewalls, routers, switches, and we had a big project, which was getting all of our VPN tunnels moved over from using MD5 to SHA-1. MD5 wasn't broken at the time, but we knew it was coming, and we wanted to be on SHA-1. It was the stronger protocol. So that was uh, 14, 15 years ago, right? Fast forward to two years ago, not only you know, MD5 was broken years ago, but SHA-1 has been proven to be able to be broken, right? So you, there are collision attacks that have been crafted for it, which are pretty bad, and uh, and other ways to be able to to uh, kind of de-randomize some of the things that, that SHA-1 does. So as a cybersecurity professional, we've known not to use SHA-1 for a couple of years now, but the government is slow, and they've finally made that step, that announcement of saying, hey, you need to stop it. We, you know, this should not be implemented in any new platforms, absolutely. But in typical government fashion, they're letting it ride out until 2030. And you can make the argument that there are SHA-1 attacks, but they're really hard to do. Right. But at the same time, 2030, I mean, yeah. that is way out there. Yeah, they won't be as hard to do in five years, right? Yeah. in 2027. So, I mean, wow. And and SHA-2 and 3 exist. Right. Yes. So, Widely deployed. Yeah, so it seems like there are options. Yeah, and there's there's other uh, hashing algorithms that you can use that are out there that are available as well. So tons of options. I, I am just surprised on it because NIST is normally really good about this stuff. So I, I feel like there's maybe some other story yeah. behind this. But uh, you, know, you look at like the Huawei equipment where the U.S. government said, nope, that's it. You got to get rid of it. You got 12 months. Yeah. But here it's you've yep. got eight years. <laughs> that's, that's a long time. So it must not be, like you said, as bad because it is very difficult to. Uh, to do those kinds of attacks, but still, yeah, that's that's a little nuts. But it sounds like even starting now, you won't be able to uh, implement things that that use SHA-1. Um, so it's not just an issue of the things you already have, you know, need to be migrated. Yeah, but yeah, and get new stuff. So their rule is that after 2030, no federal, no government agency will be allowed to purchase equipment that uses SHA-1. And now how you interpret that can be a little bit different. Oh, I thought that was immediate. Oh, that's not till 2030 as well. That's not until 2030. Oh, yep. So I could still buy something brand new. You could. The, oh, but tough. usually this is the writing that's on the wall. And so anybody yeah. who's doing new designs would want to make sure that they didn't have that. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. But the other options are out there. They've been proven. I What I feel like is happening is, remember, NIST has their big program for their quantum-resistant encryption so they're, they're trying to certify new protocols and yeah. they mm -hmm. they had a little bit of an embarrassing factor where one of them one of the protocols they were selecting had almost made it and there was this like gaping hole that was found in it and they had to back off so i think maybe they were hoping to delay having the government do a big migration until they certified all the new protocols uh, the new algorithms uh otherwise what will happen is they they'll get people to move now and then they'll certify new algorithms and have to move again. So I think they're trying to minimize how many times people have to move. But it uh, it is a bit of an eye-opener. I'm not 
too terribly worried though because i know that if you're in like a top secret environment they are applying the more stringent yeah, algorithms absolutely. there yeah well done at the very bottom of the article it does say uh questions about the transition can be sent to sha-1-transition at nist.gov so you should ask She's a great woman, that what? Sha transition. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I would uh, so. I would say, I'm sorry, I can't use that email address. It's got Sha1 in it. <laughs> no, you can, just, <laughs> but only for seven more years. That's right. So you, as long as that email doesn't take seven years for you to write, <laughs> you should be fine. All right, uh, moving on to our next article from TechCrunch.com. NSA says Chinese hackers are exploiting a zero-day bug in popular networking gear. And so as I was reading this, this is not like popular networking gear that that I would use at home. This is no, more no. like the uh, commercial networking gear that, that big companies would use, which is probably worse. Yeah, so this centers around a, a zero day on some Citrix software. Uh, Citrix is not a household name. Most people have never heard of Citrix, but in a enterprise and especially in the medical world, Citrix is very, very well known. If you work at a hospital, you will encounter Citrix software uh, uh, and even a few like fringe hardware products. That and is that have. remote desktop, the classic, their classic offering that they do that, there? That's a part of it. That's not where what this zero day is in. Right, right. right. Um, have you worked with Citrix stuff? I have, yeah. I was just w- curious about the hospital application. Is it mm-hmm. remote desktop that they're primarily doing? Oh, yeah, doing? yeah. Okay. Um, if you, that makes sense. If you if you're bored and uh, choose to injure yourself, you can I check am. into a hospital, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they've really come a long way. Uh, it used to be all like bone saws and leeches, but now. Uh, the last time you were in the hospital, the <laughs> <Yeah>. Civil War, <laughs> leeches, bone saws. <laughs> now the nurse will wheel up a computer workstation right next to the the. And it's a robot bone saw. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's all yeah. automated now. Laser beams. It's like the <laughs> Luna laptop. I'm bringing the bone saw robot. But, uh, but you know, they have, they have a whole workstation right there, which they use to access Epic or whatever medical software they're using yep. at the hospital. Uh, there's a whole multi-billion dollar industry in, in medical software. Right. But Citrix really focused on basically getting us back to the mainframe model, where you have a central server that has, uh, you know, all the real compute processing power. And then you have workstations that are really, like Anthony said, just remote desktop where you connect in. It is a very, very attractive target to an attacker because instead of having to hack 500 workstations, they just have to try and get into the main central uh, arm. Never never thought about that. Yeah. In, in light of, you know, virtual desktop, remote desktop tech, that is a great target because now you're impacting every machine on the wing of that hospital. Single point yeah. of failure. Yeah. Is that, and that's a, that's a physical, like, on-prem thing, or is that cloud-based in most it, of these cases? It's almost always on-prem wow. uh, because, yeah. because of performance yeah. and, and, you know, with medical data, putting medical data in the cloud is a whole oh, different yeah. thing. So it's almost always on-prem, which means we have people that are responsible for patching and updating, and that doesn't always happen. Now, Citrix knows their software is a target, and so they have a whole suite of security products that they, they release. And again, these are not things that are household names that most of us would uh, encounter outside of areas that have, um, I, I keep wanting to say Citrix Metaframe, which which dates my exposure to it. Well, you've taught Citrix, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I used to be a Citrix instructor years ago. Gotcha. Um, but they uh, they have their whole Zen app suite now that, that does a ton of different things. Uh, but their security side, they have load balancers, they have firewalls, they have web application firewalls and, and, and uh, SSL offloaders or uh, TLS offloaders. They have all sorts of, of really fancy security software. But 
they're not exactly known as a security company. I, I, that Yeah, I had no idea they were doing security equipment until just now. Yep, and so over the years, they've had several high visibility vulnerabilities like this. And, and what makes it scary is if this was you know, my house. All right, big deal. I'm, I'm affected. Most of you guys wouldn't care about that. But here, well, unless it affects your Plex server. Oh, that's a good point. That would impact yeah, people. Yeah, <laughs> Got to keep that Plex server yeah, running. Yeah, keep it going. Uh, but in this case, it's almost always a hospital. Hospitals and schools use Citrix quite a bit, but hospitals are kind of their number one yeah, market. Good. So, you know, medical data gets out, customer records. If they can shut down a hospital, like you hear about ransomware hitting hospitals, so if an attacker can get in um, and and use that as their foothold to launch ransomware, it, it's bad news. So if you're a Citrix administrator, I guess this is the moral of the story. If you're yeah. a Citrix min- administrator, uh, keeping your systems patched, up to date, doing extensive monitoring, it's, it's a full-time job. You need to have dedicated Citrix admins to keep your system safe. Yeah, and getting back to the, the main point of this, this is not saying that hey, a researcher has discovered a flaw. This is um, APT5, the, the Chinese hacking group, has actually uh, been targeting this and, and, and had success. Yeah. And zero day means, you know, undiscovered up fixed. until now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and Citrix, they, they are a good company, so they, they get patches and updates out there quickly. But it, it's kind of j- just like with the doctor. Sometimes you need a second opinion. You mm-hmm. might want security hardware from another vendor. Isolating your Citrix environment uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. So if you are listening from a hospital that uh, runs Citrix, uh, go ahead and hit pause <laughs> yeah. on this episode. You can come back after uh, you have patched this, um, but we'll, we'll still be here afterwards. <laughs> I'm sorry your holidays are ruined. Um, all right, uh, let's take a quick break, and, uh, and then we've got a couple of more articles. We're going to find out who got pwned, and we're going to bust out our tinfoil hats uh, coming up on Technado right after this. In the 15 minutes it'll take someone else to set up the tree, you could watch an entire IT Pro episode. Get started on your IT journey today at itpro.tv with video training for CompTIA, Microsoft, Cisco, Linux, Apple, security, cloud, and more. Are you satisfied with your current level of skill? And if not, what are you doing to remedy that? So if you're just getting started in IT, I think there's core foundational skills that you need. Post-exploitation lateral movement is a way that you can absolutely implement your firewalls to maximum effect to make a hacker cry. And remember, every time a hacker cries, collect their tears. It makes the best wine. If you fail your way forward. IT Pro TV, hands down, has been one of the best training providers that I've ever had the pleasure of using personally and just working with in general. I'm going to solve all your fears. It's tough to sit and watch a course when you're just, it's just dry, so yeah. y'all make it fun. <laughs> but we're gonna have a ton of fun. This, this is always a party, Daniel. That is insane and awesome all at the same time. Technado, our festive holiday edition here. 
which, which Don just keeps bumping into the Christmas tree, <laughs> making noise. Me, yeah, I know, but the whole tree is shaking now. Yeah, luckily there are not sleigh bells and things on there. I, uh, <laughs> if I do, we get bonus points if I knock the tree over. I think so. Yeah, because th- that's how this goes viral. Because mm-hmm. from the content, it's not going to. You know what I just pieced together? The squirrel reminds me of uh, Christmas Vacation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That uh, The famous squirrel scene. Yeah, Uncle... Uh, what's, what's the uncle? I don't know names, but oh, the yeah. main character... Yeah. His dog is going to come and, and take the tree out. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and we do have a cat that has been burned by chewing on Christmas lights <laughs> somewhere, but you can't see it with the table. But it, it's here, trust me. All right, let's take a look at that article in our next segment, Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! Nice. All right, this one comes to us from cbc.ca, so it's up in Canada, uh, where this took place. A fake company unsuspecting money mules and Bitcoin. How a Manitoba municipality lost 430000 Canadian dollars? Probably. Good question. Loonies? Um, well, it's a CBC, so Canadian, I'm assuming it is. Canadian dollar bucks. Yeah, how, how their loonies, how they <laughs> lost their loonies and toonies uh, up there. So so what's going on? This sounds like, like I was saying before, like a Dateline episode. Yeah, this is actually an elaborate one. You know, we, we, we know that there are cryptocurrency scams that are out there. We know that there are fraudulent job postings that are out there, but we don't usually get a lot of visibility into how these attacks are actually being pulled off. And in this scenario, it's, it's one of the rare ones where we, we actually get the whole story. We, we know what happened. And I'll tell you, when I read through this, I'm just shocked that people fell for this trick. Exactly. So, so the, the nuts and bolts of it is a, a, a malicious threat actor created fake job postings. And they said, hey, we are the city of, what's the city called? Uh, Westlake Gladstone. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're the, the municipality of Westlake Gladstone, and we need to hire people to help with our transition to cryptocurrency. And if you applied, you, you were guaranteed to get the job. Uh, but when they described the job to you, they said, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to transfer money to your credit card. And then you need to take the money from your credit card and put it in your bank account. And then from your bank account, you will then deposit into a crypto wallet at this address. Mm-hmm. And oh, this doesn't legit. sound shady no. at all. Not in the least. That's typically this is how people are normally paid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm mostly paid in Apple uh, iTunes gift yes. cards. So yes, this is I accepted easier. this job. I started on December sixth. Yeah. I'm paid in Subway stamped cards. Oh, wow, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think those are valid stamps. anymore. So they found. 18 people willing to do this. Just 18. Just 18. Uh, and and basically, the attackers had gained a foothold into some of the, the city government's computers. And the city government, they, they knew they got hacked. They, they knew that there was a, a breach, that uh, systems yeah. had gotten infected. And it was standard phishing, right? Yeah. Yep. Or once spear that, phishing, that was maybe? how they got in. Right. And then after the spear phishing, they spread to the other computers. Right. Um, but nothing happened. They, their systems didn't get encrypted. So they're like, all right, well, I guess we cleaned it and it was fine. But the attackers were just waiting their time and they started transferring money from the city's accounts into these credit cards for the 18 people. Now, right? well, why wouldn't they just transfer money directly into their wallets? So that is a really good question. Thank and you. I've got a few theories on this, right? So in, in the credit card processing world, if you just send somebody money to a credit card, that's a really weird thing. But if you do it as a refund, 
if you're refunding thousands of dollars to somebody's card, like you can, this is why usually when you go to get a refund somewhere, they make you have the same credit card mm -hmm. because you can technically do a refund to any credit card, regardless whether it was used for the original purchase or not. Wow. And that's a method of fraud. Is yep. is you're you're effectively laundering money. Yep. So maybe they didn't have access to, you know, to to transfer funds, but they had the access to the the refund button. Yep. And and so that's kind of what they do. Now, I was thinking about this like personally. So let's say I fell for this. If they send money to my credit card, it I I know through the ACH program or whatever, it's easier to send money straight to a bank account. So that's weird, but. Have you ever taken money from a credit card and put it into your account? No. I assume there's massive fees associated with that. It's a cash advance. Gotcha. Uh, and yeah, and the interest, interest rate, rate of 7,000%. Even if you have perfect credit, right? right? And, and the credit card company loves you on a cash advance, it's still like 20% interest. Yep. And uh, a little aside here, when we filmed that background story on Daniel, yeah. um, we went to this restaurant that was a cash-only restaurant. And I, I had- Hogan's? Uh, Hogan's, yeah. Oh, I love that place. And I had $50 in cash in my wallet, but there were four of us, and I wanted to buy lunch for everybody. I didn't know if that was going to be enough, and they had an ATM machine there. And so I used the ATM to get an extra 40 bucks out. Turns out the four of us could eat for under $50 anyway, and so it was a waste. But I used my credit card by accident. Oh, no. Uh, I, naively, and I'm going to admit this here, have the same PIN number on my credit card as I do on my Password reuse? I know. Wow. So, uh, so I used my credit card by accident, not thinking about it. And my wife will not let me hear the end of it because it was a, I think I got $50 out. It was a $50 cash advance. Yeah. And so they charged 20% interest on it immediately. And then she paid, we pay our credit card off every month. She paid it off. But then, like, you have to pay on the interest. And so there was like another 30 cent charge the next month. And she was like, oh, you make me pay this. And you're accruing interest on the 30, yeah. 30 yeah. cents. And you didn't need the money to begin and with. You didn't need the yeah, money. And I didn't need the money to begin with. So, uh, so anyhow, thinking about these, these 18 mules, right? Like if they're taking money from the credit card to their bank account, it, it just seems like they would be incurring this huge. Yeah. Uh, Again, why they did i mean it just goes to show you how desperate some of those canadians were to make <laughs> extra money no seriously they wanted to make extra money yeah they fell for this and i can't believe they would because again the fees and the hassles associated with getting paid this way uh, and, it screams illegitimacy but and this has just set off a an endless loop of of apologizing uh, in Canada, the the people are apologizing to the city. <laughs> They're very uh, sorry. The hackers are apologizing <laughs> to the the individuals. Oh it's, gosh, yeah. Oh, oh no, it, no, it was me. I'm sorry. I, oh jeez, I'm sorry it. about the about the whole mess. So so the money, <laughs> the money was stolen from the city because yes. it, it's the city's money that was refunded. Obviously, the individuals lost money as well based on the fees and and things that they would incur. Certainly. And they were leveraged as money laundering mules. Because yeah. that's really what this boiled down to was the city money went to credit cards, 18 different credit cards, went to 18 different bank accounts, and then got turned into 18 different crypto See, wallets. Now, that's kind of the cool part for me. I would kind of like to be known as a money mule. It just sounds cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my alter ego. Well, it's What'd fun. What'd you do from 2022 to 2023? I was a money mule. Mm -hmm. It's all fun and games until you had to stash a balloon full of uh, <laughs> rolled up. All right. That's, bills. I'm not applying for that job anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Canadian jail doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you uh, like another cocoa? So. <laughs> 
I don't know if that was a Canadian no, accent. I just me. went for an accent. Yeah, it was yeah. little. It was little uh, North Dakota. Yeah, I, I was I getting know. like a so. Fargo vibe. But <laughs> it, so, is this city the product of divorce? Westlake Gladstone. It sounds like you know, like the the hyphenated <laughs> last name. Maybe, or just two cities that grew they, uh, and uh, just bumped grew to into love each, each other. other. And they're like, oh, let's go ahead and be one city now. That's fantastic. Just join arms. Uh, All right, well, uh, this story goes all the way back to January of 2020. So, uh, you know, as Don said, this gives us the opportunity to kind of see the entire life cycle of how this went. So it is interesting and and an interesting read if you're um, looking for ways to to hack people. Um, This is a great blueprint that you can you can take. Yeah. And they did say uh, in the article, they mentioned that the 18 people, they were all uh, young. They lived in various places, but they were mostly new Canadians. So they were people that uh, had recently immigrated into Canada, uh, and that made it a little bit easier to take advantage of them. And, you know, I just thought of another thing. It was involving crypto, which, you know, no one knows anything about. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that yeah. made it a little more believable for these 18 young people. They're like, oh, well, crypto. No one knows anything about that. Uh, let me help with this crypto project. So, by yeah. the way, you guys are going to love the Trump NFTs I got for Christmas <laughs> for you. <laughs> I hope I, can, I got the Superman. one. Yeah. If I can figure out how to download them, uh, <laughs> they will be in your stockings. He really hit Digital. at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> right. As yeah. NFTs were really getting bashed, the, the he released there. it. Got to pay those legal bills. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, that's a great segue, actually, uh, to our next segment is tinfoil hat time. It was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? No, I don't. I don't understand. All right, this one comes to us from ArsTechnica.com. Corsair says bug not keylogger, behind some K100 keyboards uh, creepy behavior. So it sounds like people were having issues thinking that this is a keylogger, and they're saying, no, 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 not a keylogger. It's it's just a bug. We we don't believe them, though. So... Imagine, put, your, put yourself in the shoes of one of the affected people, right? So you're you're sitting there, it's been a long day, you're working on your computer, you're playing a game or whatever, and all of a sudden, the computer just starts typing, Yeah, right? Absolutely. It just starts typing. And when you look, it's typing everything that you've typed for like the last hour. Yeah, It's just spewing it out on the screen. Oh, like a keylogger. What, <laughs> what would you suspect just happened? Yeah, that, that there yeah. was a keylogger. Yeah. And I'm I mean, under attack. Yeah. And the, the idea that this is happening and, and that it'll keep typing, just keep repeating over and over and over again what you typed until you unplug the keyboard and plug it back in. And then all of a sudden it stops. Yeah. Right. I mean, what is the logical assumption that you're going to make there? Absolutely. Keylogger. Yeah. I mean, the keyboard is not that complex a concept. You press an F, the F, you know, but so here you're seeing hours ago conversations typing. That's no good. You know what this reminded me of, by the way, as far as creepy goes? The Amazon Alexas that were having like a baby laughing. Oh, I remember that. That was night. creepy. Yeah. 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 So, so you add that one to this one. A baby's crying and your computer's typing on its own. Oh, so <laughs> PVR, the face PVR is making yeah, it's right ter- now. It's <laughs> so Corsair, the company that makes the keyboard. Now, I, I will say I, I like Corsair. I have a, sure. a number of their components on my computer at home. Uh, better say that because they're listening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I'm, I'm trying they're to typing think, you know, I, on your computer at home. Yeah, it says that on my, my screen. 
I know my my computer case is Corsair. I think my memory is Corsair, and um, my Don't say keyboard fans. Don't I think say whatever keyboard. the cooling is. Not not my keyboard. I have a Logitech for that. But uh, but basically, they came out and they said, "Look, guys, this is not a keylogger." It's the macro function of the keyboard that has a bug in it, and that's yep. what's happening. Now, I've seen this on, on gamer keyboards, right? We don't see this on, on work keyboards so much, but on gamer keyboards now, they've started putting a, a row, a column? A column of macro keys, like on the left side. And I, I assume it's for gaming somehow. I, I, I don't know how I would leverage this, but... Um, when I think of gaming macros, I think of the old Street Fighter game where you had to do the crazy combo. So you, you plug that into a button and you can just push it when you want in the yeah. whole sequence of yeah. keys. Left, places. right, up, down, up, down. Yeah. yeah. So the same thing. So I think of it in terms of, you know, what is it? Five, six different keystrokes, maybe 10. But apparently those keys are, are you know, the software that powers it. And the software is capable of storing thousands of keystrokes in that one macro. And it is. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it is. Without yeah, you scary. asking. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like that Elgato Stream Deck you have. Like it, it stores macros, just but right there in the keyboard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, now on the on the Stream Deck, I actually have to like point it to a script or whatever. I don't think it can record macros. You can give it like a oh. simple key sequence to do, okay. like Control Alt F one or something. Yeah. Uh, but on the keyboard ones, you basically set it to record. You type a bunch of stuff and you hit set, and now that button will replay that whenever you want. Well, apparently, it's malfunctioning and recording whenever it wants. And it's recording a lot. Talk about a problem for a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So so what we're saying at the end of the day is um, this is not a key logger. This is just a bug that logs your keys. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's right. Now, one thing that makes me feel better about this, it it is a gamer keyboard. So yeah, it's exactly. not likely something people are going to use at work. Yeah. So probably not the most sensitive thing in the world. However, we've got a lot of people working from home right now. And so how many people are at home, maybe with their work laptop, but they plug their personal keyboard in? It's one of these fancy gamer ones that's got the, you know, the extra keys on it. As a IT professional, I worry about that. Like, I, I make sure people are using their work computers, right, when they work remotely, but I don't think about what keyboard they're using. Right. 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 So we could have that right now. We could have in our in our day job, we yep. could have employees that are at home with this exact Corsair keyboard I, I'm not looking for that. And think about it. If I had brought in my Corsair keyboard, which I don't own, the fictional one, uh, and and I said, Don, I'd like to use this when I'm at the office, you probably wouldn't have said no, right? I doubt it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I don't even think like brand new Corsair. It's like, oh, we don't have to buy Anthony this. a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, and and we're we're going through the ISO twenty seven thousand and one process right now, so we've got all these new security standards that we're putting in place, and there, there's nothing in there about keyboard hardware. There, right. there is. You know, you need to use approved hardware for the company. It never even occurred to me to need to approve keyboards. Right. And this is not a cheap keyboard. I, oh, I yeah. just what are these was run? pulling it up. It retails for two fifty. Oh. You can get it on Best Buy for one hundred and eighty dollars. Oh. One hundred and eighty dollars is a lot for a keyboard. Wow. Yeah, I mean, what is a keyboard normally like twenty, thirty bucks? Yeah. So mine at home, I have a, a Logitech one that I thought was pretty fancy. It cost a hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, this one is even more. So it's an expensive keyboard. Yeah. So so Corsair um, uh, explains at the bottom of this article that that uh, yeah this is a bug because uh, it's not supposed to show you the things it logs. It's supposed <laughs> to send it back to uh, back to them immediately. PVR, you know what this also I thought of is how <laughs> keyboards have been under such fire. Right before it was mechanical. Mm -hmm. Right. Apple had nightmares. Oh, Others the butterfly keyboard. Yeah, yeah, butterfly style. All this stuff. 
In fact, I have a check coming from a lawsuit Ooh. for that keyboard. Yeah, that keyboard sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's $58, but woohoo. Um, but anyway. you a quarter of this new keyboard. Yeah, yeah. So this struck me as funny because this is actually software associated with the yeah. keyboard that's now the problem. Which I didn't, didn't even know we had to worry about, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to program all those macro keys and things, I'm trying to see. You want to win at Call of Duty, get ready for a creepy keyboard. Yeah. Hey, they've got one at Best Buy ready in one hour. We could. Uh... I'll get over there. Corsair <laughs> is installing the patch for you by logging in remotely to your keyboard. And, your uh, your keyboard will be ready in one hour, and what you typed three hours ago will be available yeah. on yeah, a You'll find out if this was a returned keyboard. <laughs> you know, um, right. I... I don't think they've released an update for this. Have you guys seen anything on a patch? I, I do not think this well, is a patch. Well, what it said at the bottom was they're saying reach out to their customer support if you're affected. Reach. Uh, oh, my God. Any affected customer should contact Corsair support group. Uh, also said affected users could reset the K100 by unplugging the keyboard then holding down escape for five seconds while plugging it in. doesn't say that that solves the problem. Right. It just wants you Let's to go that. get an open box, okay. one of these, <laughs> and see what someone typed. Yeah. I well, wonder, I wonder, you just have to wait until it just starts? Like, do you just well, open Word and then just sit there? Like, I, think, I don't know how this works. I think it's the software that's got the bug, though, right? So I, I don't think it's stored in the keyboard I, itself, so yeah. we probably wouldn't Darn be able to get it. it. But, but that would be crazy, right? Because if I'm going to get rid of a laptop or I'm going to give it to a friend, I think about i got to erase the hard drive. I don't think about, is there memory in the keyboard? Right. I, like, I need to erase my keyboard. <laughs> Your keyboard knows all the things you've it's, typed. It's a strange new world we live in, isn't it? it? Is. Like every device is a smart device. Yes. Your, your TV you noticed, stores data about you. Have you noticed how much you have to charge? Like this morning I was thinking about is my toothbrush charged? Is my watch charged? Are my glasses charged? Is my phone charged? It's just amazing. Your, your glasses? Yeah. What I wear doing? Bose frames. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. You need like a bigger nightstand. Yeah. To, for the, the yeah. all this stuff. Uh, all right. Yeah, but that'd be cool if your mouse did this too. Like all of a sudden your mouse just started. I mean, th I know there's a lot Phantom of those mouse, mouse movers that people get that like the people that work from home that are, they're actually like logging their or tracking their mouse movements to see if they're actually working. So this would be a bug you'd appreciate then. Uh, cause you can, you can take the afternoon off cause it just yeah. repeats everything you did that morning. Yeah. So Corsair does make mice Ooh. and I just looked. They have one mouse with 17 programmable buttons. Oh, boy. I would have to assume it uses the same software. Exactly. And, and that's just 50 bucks. I look forward to our Deja <laughs> News article next week where yeah. we talk about <laughs> creepy mouse <laughs> movements. Yeah. But I would like it if the mouse actually moved and, and moved. So uh, I, I mentioned I, I worked for a bank out in Washington, and uh, the help desk team liked to pull pranks on people. And I, I got involved because I, I like to pull pranks. And... Um, so they got me once where they had taken a wireless mouse and stuck the little USB transmitter. Uh, I had a docking uh. station for my laptop and they put it on the back of the docking station where I couldn't see it. And throughout the day, they would just kind of tap this wireless oh. mouse. And so my, my cursor would move. So great. Just, just subtle. Just enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would do it through the day. And, and after it happened two or three times and I, I saw somewhat of a pattern, I was like, wait a minute, this is this is, you know, remote control. So I go into full crazy network guy <laughs> mode. I'm like, let me fire up my packet sniffer. Let me look at connections on the laptop. Let me turn off my network connection. And I turn off the network connection and the mouse still moves. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it took me forever. It's to coming find, from inside the computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To find that dongle on the back. Um, so I, I had to pull a, a, a over the top prank the next day. Uh, so 
as the network manager, I had control of our DNS servers. And so I mapped uh, Google.com to point to Bing.com. Mm-hmm. So I used to tease the help desk and say that they couldn't do the job if they didn't have Google. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and now so, you sent them to Bing. So I redirected I it, it to Bing and I, I had it throw up a uh, captured portal page announcing that Microsoft had acquired Google. Oh, and so great. I had them buying that for like a solid hour and a half. That's I, had, awesome. I had to turn it off so they could like do their job. They're tweeting about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're but they spreading got me, the fake news. They got me good with the wireless dongle. Yeah, that's good. Okay. And and it just goes to show physical security, right? Yeah, I it, you let little, them put that dongle in your dongle. <laughs> a little tiny black USB dongle. You you wouldn't even see it. That's why all of my ports are stuffed with uh, hot glue. You cannot <laughs> get anything in there. You know the I, I believe it was the army that was doing that for a while, where they were putting super glue in the ports to prevent people from using removable go. media. Holy crap! Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> um, back, back in my day, we used to take the uh, the ball out of someone's mouth. That tells you how old I am. Yeah, yeah. We used to take a screen cap of their desktop and then make that their wallpaper. <laughs> and so they're double clicking on dead icons. That's always a good prank. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Classic. <laughs> Christmas classic. Woo-hoo. Well, learn about all these uh, and other security <laughs> things in our next upcoming webinar, which is All Things Cybersecurity with John Hammond. That's taking place Thursday, January 12th. Uh, and you you can uh, you can go ahead over to itpro.tv slash webinars and register for that one. Uh, and you can also see all of our past webinars there as well, uh, the archives of all the All Things Cybersecurity ones as, as well as uh, all the other ones in the past. And you can even go back so far to see uh, Anthony's last webinar. Um, <laughs> yes, years ago. Let's see I have one is. coming up in January. Oh, do you yes, as well? Okay, I don't have that one on the page on yet. careers. Yep. Well, awesome. Very IT careers, I would Tell hope. You what? I, yeah, as I, I won't know anything about a career. In well, you just got a job, so you you should know something about careers. Yes. Pass on how did how did you get this job? Oh, uh, succeeding with new Cisco certifications uh, was the last one I see that that you. Oh no no, which IT certs are right for you? Nice. What was the date on that one, Peter? I don't know. Maybe you're gonna nineteen twelve. Yeah, nineteen twelve. It was right before the Titanic sailed. You were. <laughs> Working on that, that Let me introduce you to the abacus. Yeah, here. Let me show you how to run the the boiler. So, speaking of going back in time, you mentioned Christmas classics, and for whatever reason, the first thing that popped to my mind was the Elf Bowling game. Do you guys remember Elf Bowling? Uh, yes. It sounds. Yeah. It, w- it was a flash game. It was like a yep. big sensation yep. a million years ago, remember? and everybody played it. Uh, looks like somebody has made it where it works on modern computers. This is not Flash. I hope. I have no idea. It's got to be like HTML5. Um. I have no idea how they're emulating this, but Elf Bowling, yeah. So if you get bored, Citrix. there's your, it's, yeah. it's Citrix desktop. <laughs> it's running uh, off of the hacked uh, hospital down the street. <laughs> oh, it's Elf Bowling 1 and 2. Fantastic. Yeah, apparently they made a sequel. All right, but uh, also, uh, if you get a moment there after you're done with Elf Bowling, uh, head over to technator.com, and you can uh, see all the latest episodes. You can order some swag. You can send us some viewer email and tell us uh, how disappointed you were to see Anthony back That's right. on the That's podcast. Right. Looking for my wow. first positive comment, Peter. Yeah. Well, please. <laughs> It'll come. It'll come eventually. Uh, and the keylogger is just going to write it for you. Um, and you can also click the big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro, and you can get uh, 30% off of your IT Pro membership uh, by clicking on that. Uh, there's coupon code for that, as well as uh, the option to request a trial. If you're a part of a team and want to see a demo and get a trial set up, uh, you can do all that right there over at technado.com. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. And and uh, just so you guys know, uh, we 
are we're off next week, but we're not off because we went ahead and recorded a fun episode where we talk about predictions a little bit for next year, as well as play a game looking back at uh, all of our 2022 uh, favorite articles. So don't worry, uh, you can still spend time with Technado even in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Well, thank you, Anthony, for, uh, for joining us. So fun. I'm sure we will have you uh, back again. And, and thank you, Don. And yeah. Merry yeah. Uh, For bothering holidays. to show up. <laughs> yeah. Merry holidays. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. No, no yeah. Merry holidays, or Have a festive winter solstice. <laughs> And I mean, it is the holiday season, right? So we can say happy holidays. There's uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Um, I believe they'd say Merry Kwanzaa. Oh, wow. Merry Kwanzaa. Um, Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's disappointing. For our viewers. Oh, my gosh. I'm reading in there. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, there's a uh, a, uh, Christmas card that's been made with the three of us and the squirrel. Uh, as well, so these graphics, folks, they work fast here, and, but not well. That would have taken me all weekend. <laughs> that's why they, that's why they couldn't run the intros. They were, they were working. <laughs> so. All right, <laughs> thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Technado.